Jordan is on best. Harper's on Miller. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started, if you have not already, please be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out. We're just about 50 reviews, which is pretty cool. Um, and, you know, of course, I, I have to mention, uh, this is the first podcast of 2021. Um, definitely hoping that this is an easier year for, for everyone in general and, and for you uh, on your own as you're uh, kind of getting things started this year. Um you know, obviously we have a lot to get through as a, as a, as a group of people and as a society and country. And, um, hopefully you can, you can make some big personal moves this year and your family does as well. Um, Tom, how was your, uh, how was your new year's Eve? I know when I, when I hit you up, we, uh, I, I totally mixed my stuff up. So I didn't have time to do a podcast last night. Um, but I already, you, you were a whiskey sour in by the time I got to you. So how did your night end up going? <laughs> Yeah, it could have been a great pod last night, but yes. <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll have to it, do one uh, of those. It was good. It was good. Um, you know, I actually got down to uh, the game um, in the afternoon. First time I, I was uh, got into the game, and that was an interesting experience and and good to good to go through. So, no better way to tip off twenty twenty one than a, a pod with the Utah and Pacers. So let's go. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, well, I mean, overall, though, how was the field house? What was like protocols like to go back in, and what was the yeah, experience you know, being, was, like, being kind of back? Yeah, it was interesting. I um, had uh, personally just my wife had, had had COVID, and I was kind of on the um, whatever the contact tracing type thing. So I was done with that last Sunday, but I was like, hey, I'm going to wait a few extra days uh, before I go down there, and then so I went, uh, you know, took it yesterday, but. Uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, interesting because, um, you know, there weren't a lot of media people there. They all spread out. Really good setup, um, all things considered, um, up on the club level. And um, they actually had – it was kind of a dress rehearsal with some fans. Mm-hmm. Um, what they had was um, uh, Pacers employees and, and their families. Uh, it was probably about two or 300 maybe. Yeah. Um, and – they were, I believe, mostly all on the on the club level. So they, it was kind of a dry run with fans. They had concessions going in some areas, and then they they had more of the full in game experience. Apparently, they they had someone singing the national anthem. They had the uh, in between timeout, you know, games and um, things like that. So it was, uh, you know, the, the experience was kind of familiar. <laughs> Hardly anybody there. So. Um, so it was, it was kind of odd. It was, it was just kind of like um, a more intimate game in there just because there's so many seats covered up and, and um, a lot of areas are a lot darker than there would be in a normal game. Um, but, you know, the, the game was great and it was uh, – every, everything went smoothly from that end. So I think they're, they're ramping up, obviously, with the hopes that they can have more and more fans as we, as we go on here, um, you know, when – when that might be, we don't know, but but they're um, making sure they're they're ready for it, which is great. Um, and you know, like everyone that runs a field house down there does a great job. So it was 
very smooth for me. I, I was like a first timer, so it was like it was my first. You know, everyone showed me through, got me through, no problem. So it was uh, it was great. So, but it was really nice to be at the field house for a game. Yeah, no, that's great to hear, and it was cool to see some of your pictures from it yesterday, and um, just know that you're able to get back in and have some kind of semblance of normal. It still seems like it's yeah. going to be a ways before we actually have, uh, you know even close to full capacity going back, which and just oh, yeah. Yeah. based on where everything is right now. But uh, getting into the game, uh, Pacers are now four and one, um, you know, beat the Cavs. I, I wouldn't say beat the breaks off. It was a pretty tight game until the third quarter, um, you know, 119 to 99, a lot to take away. We'll obviously talk about TJ Warren on the back end of this. We have to start just kind of talking about the game first, then we'll get to that later. Um, uh, what, what was kind of your biggest takeaway from this game overall? Uh, well, I thought it was interesting just because we were so familiar with the Cavs from yeah. preseason. And, I mean, I tell you, Garland and Sexton are impressive. I mean, yes. they're just a problem. Um, so, you know, they kind of had the firepower. Um, and it just, you know, again, I think we've seen this. Um, the depth of the Pacers overall um, has, has worn out. And, you know, the, the bench was – was good at, at times. They, they kind of had a little slippage late in the third quarter, but you know, while they're doing that, they're they're allowing the, you know the, the starters to get rested up and come in and, and, and crush again. So um, I thought you know they they started out a little shaky on the on the glass, and then were able to get that nailed down. And then again, you know, having that great third quarter um, where they just shut them down pretty well in the third quarter and extended the lead, um, built up that cushion and, and they were able to, to hold on and push it through to the end. So overall it was um, a quality win and a good team win. I mean, um, yeah, Domas ended up with 25 points and, and finished strong, but, you know, for a while it was just, everybody was eating and, and you know, it was really spread out between Doug and, and all the starters. They all had about the same amount of points, and and the, you know sharing the ball was incredible. So, um, just fun to watch the team play that way and succeed. Yeah, I would totally agree. I mean, I think I have a lot of takeaways from the game. Number one, like you mentioned with the third quarter, um, and I, I I wrote about it as well last night um, from John Schumann, who is if if you guys like stats, John Schumann is the guy. He does the I believe he works NBA.com. Is he's where he's a writer at. Yep. Um, he always has great stats. He's put a lot of great stuff out on the Pacers when a lot of people from national media don't um, just because they're not in that, you know, kind of limelight. So big thanks to him. But he pointed out yesterday, um, Pacers are double digit point differential in every single third quarter so far. The, yesterday they were plus 14 in, in, in their fifth game of the season, um, which puts them around. I think they're just over a plus 60 um, across their uh their first five games, which is impressive considering how bad, obviously we're used to the third quarters of last year. Um, as, as Tony <laughs> always puts it, um, that was impressive. But one thing that there is to note off that I, the, the fourth quarters have always been kind of a come down period, um, which, you know, you could market, you know, that they're, they're playing the bench at, at least to start the fourth quarters because they're up so big, but regardless, that has been an issue. Uh, they, they got, a, I don't want to say gas, but like um, you, you get what I'm trying to say. I mean, they, they, gassed out is the wrong word but the defense it slipped a little bit the Cavs were able to make a run obviously the Pacers were able to close out strong and still win by 20 but there was a point where they really were able to claw back in and go on their own run um like you're mentioning with Sexton and Garland they're actually somebody I a group that I look at 
you know, as the Cavs kind of round out, first of all, the Cavs are a much better basketball team than last year. Uh, we saw that in preseason. I've seen that in talking to guys who, who cover the Cavs. Um, and we saw that yesterday. I mean, they're, they're a much better team. Yeah. Their young guys are improving. Isaac Okora wasn't even in the game. Kevin Love wasn't there. So it probably would have been closer if both those guys are playing. Uh, of course, you could mention it's closer to if TJ Warren, I mean, less close if TJ Warren's playing. Um, but regardless, Sexton and Garland were getting everything they wanted uh, in dribble penetration. And obviously, I mean, the Pacers defense was pretty strong, but they combined for almost 50 points yesterday on uh, pretty efficient shooting and uh, specifically on Colin Sexton. I mean, he was getting inside really easily. Um, luckily, there wasn't a ton of uh, I mean, their spacing is still a, a work in progress, I think would be a good way to put it for Cleveland. Um, so they weren't able to capitalize a ton off of it. But regardless, I think in the next couple of years, that backcourt is going to be something to reckon with, uh, especially considering that the Pacers do struggle in containing smaller guards, um, which is something that we'll, we'll definitely be looking for at some of the backcourts that, that the Pacers will see later on in the season. Um, but yeah, that, I, I totally agree on, on that takeaway as well. Yeah, you know, and um, Chet was Scott Edmonds before the game, and he, he made a good point. Like, Cleveland, they got these good young players, and you would think at some point they would definitely want to be trading Drummond and Love um, to, you know, contenders of some sort just to build up more assets um, to have, a you know, a, a better team going forward because, you know, these, these guys are performing. And it's kind of, you know, how far are you going to go with, with these guys drumming in love, and especially if they're um, not always healthy. You know, it's just not the perfect mix for a team, you know, for a deep playoff team right now just because of the youth. Yeah. But, you know, if they can if they can get some valuable assets that continue to build around those, you know, Sexton Garland, you know, Larry Nance Jr. is a good player in there. Exum's decent. So, you know, can we, wait, can we mention for a point. second, Larry Nash Jr. would be like the perfect player on the Pacers. Um, he, he does like a lot of the things Thad Young used to do. I mean, he's probably a – well, not probably. He's definitely a better playmaker than Thad was. Uh, he can handle the ball a little bit more. He's not uh, – I mean, he's, he's actually grown as a floor spacer, but he's a tremendous defender. Um, not quite as much of a post presence, but still, um, he's the kind of guy. Yeah, and we'll get, we'll, yeah. Again, we'll get to that later, but yeah, he's a good player. Um, he, I always mm-hmm. enjoy watching him, but yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. Continue. Yeah, no, but that, but yeah, that is, I feel like the cats kind of, you know, I know when we were playing them, Pacers were playing in the, in the preseason and, and, you know, not necessarily, but then Okoro too, I didn't mention him. I loved him and in the preseason we, we watched him just how active he was yeah um so you know but beating them sound is, is a good it's a good game and, and anytime Drummond doesn't just have his way um with miles and or domas it's, it's a good day so um I, you know I, I thought it was a it was a quality effort all the way through to, to uh put it on the calves like that yeah well speaking on miles and domas um especially with Drummond, that was one of my uh I think my favorite part of uh, of last last night, or I guess yesterday, it was a three o'clock tip off, um, which is so weird to see a three o'clock tip off. It makes me feel like it's the bubble all over again. But uh, you know, there was uh, gosh, I think it was in the third quarter. Um, Domas was out on the far corner um, and was at the three point line. Andre Drummond closed hard on him. And uh, Domas drove, forced uh, Drummond to pick up his third foul, and he had to go out of the game. 
that is huge. Uh, I wrote about that uh, in the piece as well. Um, you know, I think that that is something huge going forward that we've seen already. I mean, Domas has cut out pretty much all of the, you know, 16 to, to 20 footers that he was taking so much of last year. And he was good at them. Mm -hmm. But just by stretching out to the three-point line and taking them, and he went 2-2 two yesterday, continues to look really good on them. Um, still struggling at the line, but uh, hopefully that, that will even out soon. But um, regardless, the fact that teams are starting to, to actually guard him at the three-point line uh, and that he's, I would say, improved a little bit on his, his handling in the drive game. Um, you know, that has been a significant thing. And I, again, it's just five games in, but that's something that I'm, I'm looking to see continue throughout the year. Cause when you're playing in, um, you know, against higher leverage teams that are, are better, uh, that's going to be significant. So I, I think that's something that, that, that really stood out to me as well. And I mean, you're seeing the same thing with miles. I mean, he had that, um, he's been doing it routinely to start the year, but he had that right at the end. Um, he had a runner, uh, with gosh, probably two minutes left that kind of put the game on ice because the Cavs were still trying to make a run back mm -hmm. in, but then Miles hit that runner, put it up 113 uh, to 94. And first of all, I can't think of any time I've ever seen Miles A take a runner and B make a runner. Um, so that was interesting, but it was also cool to see it and just see the confidence in his game um, and his handle from the outside. And he didn't, again, he's still struggling to hit from outside. He went 0 4, but he's not hesitating. Teams are, you know, they're being forced to guard him and and he's 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 using it. So um, those were the really the biggest thing that I took out of it. I thought, you know, Vic had a good game most for the most part. Both him and Malcolm struggled inside the arc, but we're good outside and um, we're hitting some pull up mid range shots as well. Um, you know, Malcolm got to the line. Vic had a great passing game. Malcolm was a solid, solid contributor in the passing game as well. Um, and then obviously Doug. Um, I think that's kind of the last thing for me. Doug really came in and, or not the last thing, I guess, but Doug came in and put up 18 and nine, which he's been a much better rebounding this year so far, um, which is something that again, just five games in, but I'm hoping within, you know, if 10 or uh, 15 games through we're seeing Doug still rebounding at the same level, but he's uh, he, he was closing the first half and closing um, in, in the, in the second half as well. So that's significant considering with yeah. TJ out, um, which we will be talking about shortly. Uh, Doug seems to be the one getting the most minutes out of that, even though Aaron Holiday's starting. Yeah, and I think, um, you know, I think at the game, Gilkra mentioned that, you know, he's really asking Turner and Sabonis to be blocking out on the glass, which, you know, leaves someone like Doug to go in and, and get the ball. <laughs> um, and he, he's doing that. So, um it's, it's great. His, his kind of all-around game has shown up at different points. The, the ability to get to the rim, um, also obviously shooting the three, um, and then, just, you know, getting on the glass like that. You know, he, he's always going to be a little um, dicey on defense, but he's, you know, holding his own and, and being able to do these other things makes it valuable. So, yeah, it, it seems like, you know, it, it's a – um, starting Aaron is almost, you know, when, when these lineups are jumbled now with the starter out, starting Aaron almost makes it a little easier for the rotation to uh, be put in place um, just because of, you know, Aaron and, Aaron and TJ being smaller guards. But then, like you say, when it's closing time, you know, it's either probably going to be Doug if he's playing as well or, or you know, Justin Holiday if they, if they need more defense. So, 
Um, nice to have those options. Yeah, most definitely. Um, well, and that, that, that brings up too, you know, looking at just the fact with TJ out, um, you know, he's really the only guy who's a forward on the roster. Um, you obviously have Miles and Domas. They're both centers. Um, Goga's a center, and he still isn't healthy. Um, and then you have, you know, Doug is a forward, but he really can't guard fours. That's asking a lot from him. Um, and so that brings up Keelan Martin. And Keelan Martin actually got quite a bit of run yesterday. He right. was the first guy off the bench, um, which yeah. that was definitely surprising. It was cool to see that and, and just see Nate Bjorken start to try and tinker with things, knowing – um, you know, with TJ out, he wanted to try and get some new looks. Um, so, uh, I mean, Keelan did not yeah, play super Keelan well yesterday. Well, aside from missing the. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess I should say box score wise, he did yeah. not play well. He, he was, you know, he, he, right. they, they showed him going back to the bench his first time off and he was, uh, definitely frustrated with himself. He missed like three bunnies at the rim. Um, yeah. And he, uh, he also passed up on that three and ended up taking a floater missed, and uh, Nate Bjorkren was not happy about that, which is what why he ended up pulling Keelan out. But the better part, one of the, that was the thing I noted right away. Keelan, you know, I, I almost think he was a little bit over-energized yesterday. He was just excited to get in and get his first regular season minutes that weren't in garbage time with the Pacers. Um, and right. I, I thought, personally, I thought he played well defensively. He was active on the glass. You know, he's doing all the good things, but just struggling on offense. So when I saw Nate take him out, I was like, okay, well, is this going to be like last year where – Aaron holiday gets pulled early and then he just never comes back because he's in the doghouse. and no Keelan Martin gets back in and he plays like another five or six minutes in the game um, in the second half. So I thought that was good. Um, I was definitely a big fan of that, especially seeing as you know, it's important to get on the court to actually make improvements. But um, what were your thoughts kind of on Keelan and how he played yesterday? Yeah, I was like you say, I mean, he, um, I felt like he played pretty well. It would have been nice if he could have gotten one of those shots to go, especially the first one. It seemed like if he, if he just sees yeah. one go in, it would be good. But really, yeah, definitely. you know, he, his role at this point isn't going to be a scorer, really. You know, he he's trying to do all those other things. And, and I felt like he was really active defensively. And almost every mistake he had was a mistake of aggression, which is – um, you know, the way to go. Yeah. And he, he he got out there and he played. He played hard. Um, he wasn't, you know, second guessing anything. Um, other than you could tell he was second guessing when he was let go of the ball and a shot. But uh but all the other things um that you really need to rely on him when he's playing, um, I thought he did pretty well and, and that should, you know, bolster his confidence going forward if they need to use him. And uh, you know, I'm sure it'll be uh a game-to-game matchup type situation here, but um, you know he he's got the enough size, you know, strength-wise. I feel like to guard that uh, a four-three and um, can can really help um, if they if they need it, depending upon you know who they're playing. So uh, I I thought it was interesting at, at first that um, you know he was playing ahead of Edmund Sumner, but yeah. you know, Sumner's more of a a guard two, three guy, you know, or a point guard, you know, so they're not really the same buying for the same minutes, I guess. And obviously when we hear that TJ Warren's out, then it makes a lot more sense that, okay, we got to see what we can do and, and, and get TJ or get Keelan ramped up here um, for possibly some extended minutes. So 
um, at least until uh, Jeremy Lamb gets back in the picture. So, uh, I, you know, I, I love, you know, all these guys, it seems like they're playing with confidence. Yeah. You know, going back to even Domas shooting the three. Um, I feel like he always shoots with confidence, but I don't know. He's, he has, <laughs> he's struggling a lot better right now. And, um, and, and like you say, he almost dared, he looked at Drummond like, are you going to let me shoot this again? And then it drew him out and went by him. So, I mean, that is just a guy playing with confidence. And that's what these guys all talk about with Bjork and that, um, you know, he, he instills that in everybody and it, it's starting to show up more and more and, uh, during the games. And um, we'll see going forward here as they, as they get a chance to play better competition, but um, they should be able to hold on and, and, and you know, manage without TJ Warren um, if these guys can come in and just play hard. Well, yeah, I mean, that brings us right into to what we need to talk about. And before we get there, I, I want to take a, take a quick break. We'll be right back. And then we'll close out talking about TJ Warren and, uh, you know, the, the game coming up tomorrow. Welcome back, Pacers fans. All right. So uh, as Tom was mentioning right before we went to break, uh, with TJ Warren getting out, I mean, being out, I should say, that uh, kind of changes a little bit uh, for the, well, more than a little bit for the Pacers. Um, obviously, he was never really looking fully himself yet, uh, and it was revealed by Adrian Wojnarowski uh, just shortly after the game yesterday. Gosh, probably wasn't even an hour, right, Tom? I think it was like 45 minutes after the game. Uh, no, ended. I felt like it was right after the, after the final buzzer. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like he, yeah, he, he, he uh, reported that T.J. Warren – had surgery on his foot and would be out for an indefinite time and then had a, con- uh, a, a tweet consecutively uh, shortly after that he would miss uh, much of the regular season, I believe was his term. It was much or uh, uh, s- signifying that it would be not just the small amount of time that the TJ is going to miss. Yeah. Uh, and also that he had a s- similar injury and in surgery in 2016 on his right foot when he was uh, playing with Phoenix. Um, so obviously, first of all, I mean, my, uh, our, our hearts, of course, go out to TJ. He's a great, great dude. Love to see him play, and sucks for him because you could tell how frustrated he was being on the bench yesterday, and also in the second Celtics game when he fouled out. You could just tell that he wasn't there, um, and really struggling on court, and he was frustrated. Um, so, you know, obviously, wish him a, a speedy and safe recovery, and that he comes back um, better than ever. You know, um, what was kind of your first reaction to seeing that, and? Uh, just in, in general? Uh, well, I guess I wasn't, I mean, I was surprised to see the word surgery. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I thought maybe extended amount of time out to rest. It kind of felt like that could be on the horizon um, with further issues. But um, in one regard, I'm like, okay, good. Take care of it. You know, instead of having something where you're on and off and never quite hundred percent all year, uh, maybe this will help uh, take care of it and uh, and let him be a little more stable going going forward once he's recovered from it. So obviously, the, you know, for me, the big question is like, is it like, is there hope that he could play at the end of the year in the playoffs? Obviously, um, and you know, if so, then I think you know this group can survive and and still make the playoffs and still fill fill that gap as they did last year when, when Vic wasn't around and, and um, as they've done, you know, even, even when, when Domas wasn't around, you know, they, they find a way to, 
to fill the gap and and make it work. But you know, it does suck when when you start seeing Vic playing and contributing um, at at a strong level. And you know, every single yesterday, I was just like, there's times during the game where it. it doesn't even seem like Big Sue, you know. And all of a sudden, he, oh wow, yeah, we got big rolling people. He can freaking go get a bucket. Yeah, almost, you know. And, and you know, he gets twenty. And then same, with, and then the old Malcolm Gladden to get get the hole and get his buckets. And then Domas and and um, and it, yeah, it just would have been nice to have TJ in that same um, with all that same group playing together. And, and you know, obviously last year the big big thing about how few minutes. The starters played together, and, and now we're, we're heading down that path again. We're looking um, at, at playing less than last year. Like, uh, obviously, yeah. that's you know speaking in like the the worst way possible because that would right. mean TJ misses the whole regular season. But um, yeah, I mean, they were they, they only needed to play five games to surpass how long they played all together <laughs> last year. So it's uh, yeah, it definitely is a little painful. Um, I have so many thoughts on it. Um, you know, I think the first that I wonder is a, how does this impact Vic? Um, because obviously like we're mentioning, I mean, Vic has played really well out the gates. Like he's and not to say that I had low expectations for him, but he's playing even better than I, I was hoping he could get back to just because given his injury um, and he's been fantastic, but also of no, I mean, he's had his lowest usage percentage um, of his career mm-hmm. up until this point um, or up until yesterday, I should say it changed after yesterday, but uh he was really thriving in a lower usage role, being more of an off ball shooter while taking over in spurts, like, like you were mentioning. Um, so I do wonder how this could impact him, you know, moving forward is he's going to have to take probably more of an on ball role uh, potentially. And uh, you know, how does that impact his game? How does that fit with how his game is now? Not that I'm not trying to make things sound pessimistic, but I am a little bit pessimistic. I am wondering, frankly, you know, with how well, He's looked out the start. Uh, maybe it is a lot to ask. I'm not sure. Uh, that's something we'll see more of. I, I guess you could say the same thing about Malcolm as well. My biggest thing, though, that that I have coming off of this, I mean, I think there are ways that during the regular season it'll be okay that you don't have TJ there um, and that you can rely on, uh, you know, Jeremy will hopefully be coming back sometime in January. Um, maybe Doug steps in the starting lineup. You have Aaron can step into the starting lineup. Even Justin can. Um, who I actually would say maybe Justin is the most logical person to put in the starting lineup for spurts, but um, I, I understand playing Aaron there as well. But the thing is, if, if TJ is going to miss the playoffs, which this, again, this is looking really far out. So I, 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 but I do think it's important to talk about if TJ is going to miss the playoffs, what does the team do about it? You know, I, I think that's yeah. a, that that's kind of what I've been thinking about since yesterday. Um, we already, knew how thin this team was at the forward spot with TJ really being the only guy there. Um, you know, you can look at Keelan Martin and say, okay, he can go out and he can guard threes and fours, but how many minutes can you play Keelan Martin? I guess that's something that we'll figure out. Um, but overall, I mean, I, I look at this and I think the team, like I'm mentioning, they could do well during the regular season in one-off games when teams aren't, you know, full on prepping for each other and, and, and game planning and hunting mismatches the way that they will in the playoffs. I think you can get away with not having somebody who is the size of, you know, the best forwards in the league. But I look at this in terms of when this team has to play, say, okay, if this team were to play the Celtics again in in a first round series or Brooklyn, um, who's guarding Kevin Durant, who's guarding Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I mean, I, you know, I mean, 
Brogdon uh, guarded Jason Tatum and did a solid job on him in the first two games that the, this team played. Um, but then who's guarding Jalen Brown? I mean, TJ was, was guarding Jalen Brown in both those games. Um, I just think that the team is really bereft of any kind of depth at the forward spot defensively. Um, and I think in a playoff series, that is really just something difficult to mitigate. And if this team wants to get out of the first round this year, um, I don't know. I feel like there will have to be some kind of uh, adjustment or move made. And frankly, I don't think it would be on the, the MLE is still available, or at least part of it is. I don't foresee this team being a team that um, is going to go into the luxury tax. So um, where is that move coming from? Right. You know, I, I guess that maybe tell me, Tom, be sure to hit me over the head if I'm thinking too preemptively, but I don't know. This is what I've been thinking about since last night. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, Brutal also because like Miles is playing in a role um, that he's playing the best basketball of his career. Great, he's, yeah, he's been incredible. incredible. He's he's even he talked about it last night. I mean, he's accepted that role that he's in where he's not you know focal point offensively, but he's producing and having a guy like that in that role playing that wall, um, it it. Now that starts creating a mismatch for the Pacers in their favor. Um, you know, when we talk about the double big now, um, if he, if he can continue to be consistent with it, um, but really the only other way you're going to alter the team drastically, like you're mentioning is to, you know, make a deal. And obviously I think it, you know, we have to see how things play out here for the next month and a half. Um, I mean, they're going to play, play at least, 10 more games without Jeremy Lamb. Um, obviously, he could he could have a big impact coming in and, and um, filling, filling that role defensively. Um, but and I don't know if they – because I don't know how they would just go over the luxury tax and add somebody without dealing, uh, you know, one of their bigger bigger pieces. So – yeah. Um, and when you're doing that, then, then it's a completely, um, completely new ball game, especially for how they're, they're playing right now together. So it's hard to imagine that in my head of, okay, you know, I mean, Victor's values going up, obviously. Um, Turner's values going up. So, you know, maybe you're going to have some options. Um, but if they play well and, and continue to hold down the fort, um, do you want to get rid of everybody and not have, have them again play together? Um, what, what's the end game this year? You know, I mean, Brooklyn looks good. No matter what they did, would they be able to uh, make a move that would make them a favorite to win a championship? That seems, um, you know, like it might not be feasible. Um, so, you know, making a move for move's sake, um, may not be the way to go. It, it obviously the, these are everything you bring up is is <laughs> is a concern and is you know it, it's where the buzzkill of the whole um, surgery comes into effect because you're left with like crap. Here we are again. Um, you know, is doing something to try and fill that gap for this year going to be something that pushes this team over the edge or is it just going to you know, keep them at the similar level. And then next year, you know, you're, you're kind of back to where you were and then you're, you're burning up some assets 
to do that this year. Um, it is tricky. And that's, you know, I, I, I do feel like um, with this group, I, I, you know, I feel like Pritchard will be analyzing everything. Um, obviously, you know, there's a huge situation with Victor, you know, in the off season. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure they'll be analyzing things and I'm sure they're going to start getting calls too. Cause they'll know, you know, other teams are going to know what situation the Pacers are in and, and, you know, we all know who their guys are, who would be first out the door. Um, so, um, well, you know, if, if the deal is there, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they made it, but man, it would really, um, put a different spin on, on the season considering the way it started right now. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I totally agree with that. It's a, it's a lot to look at, you know, I, uh, I, we have so much before we even have to think about that stuff, but regardless, I thought it was yeah. important to bring up just in terms of, you know, um, kind of the outlook of the year, because like you're mentioning, I mean, that's a really great point, Tom. I didn't even think of it like that. You know, if say the team was like, uh, if TJ was slated to miss the playoffs or, or, or not be able to start or have a minutes restriction or something. Um, and they do, you know, like the Wesley Matthew moves, of 1819 mm-hmm. did that really do anything to benefit the Pacers exactly um and that's right. not to talk down on West I mean he's a good dude and he's a good basketball player but you look at it did it really make sense for the team to go out and sign Wesley Matthews like that I mean right. I guess you know you needed to sign somebody but at the same time uh that really didn't do anything to push you in the direction of, of winning a series so um something that we're right. definitely Yep. Yeah. One more thing on the, on the whole, you know, big picture. Um, I, you know, I mentioned, you know, they're going to kind of want to see um, how Jeremy Lamb returns and, and his impact as well. And I would think maybe by about that time, by the end of the end of January, they have a little better idea on, on TJ Warren as well. Yeah. And if he's, you know, no dice coming back at all, um, you know, honestly, don't don't know don't know the extent of everything that's going to be going on. So, um, you got you got to assume. We're, I think we're kind of assuming he won't be back um, with this discussion. But again, that will you know will play out as as the year goes on, well before the trade deadline, and they'll have a better idea about that as well. So, um, yeah, a lot of moving parts. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, most definitely, Tom. I think that's the best way to put it. Um, well, you know, and kind of transitioning out of that, Pacers take on the Knicks, a familiar opponent who uh, who was seen in the first game of the regular season. Um, one thing I want to point out, Julius Randle, who uh, if he is – He has been incredible. If he's healthy, I mean, he, he's the kind of guy who does give Miles problems. So I'm interested to see how that matchup works out. Uh, and overall, I mean, I've only gotten to watch them once other than the, the, the first game of the season. And they've, I mean, they look like an actual basketball team this year. Um, exactly. I mean, RJ Barrett has been really solid out the gates. Again, Julius has been way blowing my expectations out of the water. Uh, what are you kind of looking for in the game tomorrow? Um, obviously never going to guarantee a win or anything like that, but um, regardless, I think it's a, it is a good opportunity for the Pacers to maybe stack up another early win. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, we saw an opening night, they, they had to grind their way through that game to take control of it in the second half. But, 
the Knicks are kind of like the like the Cavs. They got those. Uh, they got enough players that can get cooking to uh, give you trouble on a given night, and they, you know, they've definitely done that. They killed Milwaukee, and um, so it, they've they've been up and down a bit as well. But I think um, having played them once, you know, hopefully the Pacers will pick up where they left off in that second half, and um, and really just. Trying to keep a lid on on Randall um, was big, and I know RJ Barrett was was huge last time played the Pacers. So um, you know you got to expect the win, of course, against the Knicks, um, and it's a good opportunity. You know the schedule is going to turn a little more difficult here. It's been it's been pretty friendly, um, and got to take advantage of it, especially now with with the injury issues. So. Um, they had the day out today. They should be, you know, staying at home. This long homestand has to have been nice. Um, but that, again, soon they'll be going out, um, you know, starting January 11th. They'll be hitting the road. Yeah. Um, and I mean, this next week, they have a tough time, homestand. So, they play Pelicans Monday, Rockets Wednesday, and Suns on Saturday. Uh, yeah. So that is not, not an easy schedule. No. Um, that's what I'm saying. I mean, it's like, okay. Don't take anyone lightly. I mean, the team can't. The margin of error has shown that, you know, they, they got to play well and play consistent um, no matter who they're playing. But, uh, yeah, when, when, you, when you're getting this team like the Knicks who you expect to be, uh, you got to take advantage of it. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, well, Tom, before we get out of here, do you have anything, uh, anything else you want to add on the new year or how the team started so far before we get out? No, I'm just looking. I, I'm honestly looking forward to some of these bigger games coming up. Um, and you know, Sabonis has been such uh, impressive, uh, off to such an impressive start. Um, I want to see him continue to, um, you know, give it to some of these other teams. And and uh, I mean, he and Victor, you know, Victor scoring 20 a game has just been you know, exceeded my expectations, I guess, for those guys. And, and that's a, that's a good foundation for this team. And it's been, it's just been fun to see how, you know, the, the interactions, the body language of all these guys seem, um, you know, we, we heard about all the issues they had last year. Obviously there was a lot of consternation with Nate McMillan, um, but it's so such a positive um, start this year, everybody um, that you just want to see, see it continue and continue and keep going. So um, obviously TJ Warren brings in a little adversity. The tougher schedule will be bringing in a little adversity when they, when they lose a couple of games here and there. So, um, uh, you know, that's, that's the next step of a great team. How are they going to handle that adversity? We'll see if these guys can do it this year. Yeah. I mean, it's the exciting part of the year. We get to find out what the team's really made of, what they look like and, um, how how they're going to perform. So a lot of exciting things to look forward to. Obviously, losing TJ is, uh, sucks. It's really tough. And again, wish the best well, for him. Um, but regardless, we have a lot to look forward to. Uh, no TJ is going to be working, so we're going to be working too. Uh, Tom, this was fun. To everyone listening, thank you for listening. Happy New Year. Uh, stay safe. Uh, obviously, enjoy your time with family and friends and uh, hopefully in a smaller group. Um, but yeah, just, uh, enjoy the game tomorrow and, and get ready for a great slate of games coming up in the next week. I'll talk to you later, Tom, to everyone listening. Thank you for listening. 
Have a great rest of your day.